Jeff here. Thanks for listening. Go to playvolutionhq.com slash ccbag or click the link in the show notes for the show's archives, ways to connect, ways to support the show, information about happy hour, and more. I'm Jeff Johnson, coming to you from upstairs studio in the snuggery along the Gulf of Mexico. With me from the from the from the suburban paradise of Newcastle, Australia, Nicole Halton from Inspired EC. How you doing, Nicole? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing. Well, I, oh, I've been working on my Australian accent, but I can't do it in front of you. Um, I think it's. I think it's back too much in the, pressure. It's too back in the throat. It's good eye, Mike. You gotta, you gotta get, you gotta get back in the. Nah. That's not good. No, okay. I'll try again next month. It's too, oh. it's too. I don't know. It's like the British forced g'day, mate. I don't know. G'day, g'day, it's g'day, just, g'day it's mate. Very, it's just got to come really. Yep. G'day, g'day mate. mate. G'day, mate. Yeah, that's better. That was a bit better. G'day, g'day mate. Yeah, How the you longer going, it mate? goes on, I think the worse yeah. it'll get. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So, what you been up to? Well, I just dropped two of my children off for school camp this morning. So they're gone for three days, which means I have just one child left at home. Uh favorite child? Which one which was left at home? Favorite child or well, I don't know. They're favorites on different days. It just depends. So but at the moment it's youngest child is left at home. So well, she's at school, so she's not even at home, but this evening she will be at home. Well, that'll 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 make it that that'll catch down the parenting by like uh, two thirds yeah. for a couple of days. Absolutely. So that, what is Absolutely. school camp? What's I I don't think that's a thing that happens here. What's school camp? Really? What? It, okay, what... so every every year their school like from so from about grade three, so when they're about eight, I suppose they go off on school camp. Um, it starts out at just one night. And so they go somewhere, they do a whole bunch of activities. They stay overnight in like cabins or something. And then they do activities again the next day and then they come home. And so now that they're a bit older, um, one's headed off to do some, uh, they're going to an inflatable water park first, and then they're going to do some gold panning and a bunch of other gold-related things, and they'll stay in a cabin for, like, two nights, and then they'll come home. And the other one's gone uh, not as far from home, um, just an hour away, but they're doing, you know, they're going to farm and, I don't know, do beach things and nature things, and then they will come home as well. But, see, we don't do summer camps here quite like Uh is an American cultural thing. Like, we don't really have that here. So that ha- like that's just your school district. Yeah, it's part, it's the part of the. No, it's pretty much every school. Most schools do oh. it, but it's it's part of the curriculum. So they actually tie it in with whatever they're learning at school. So like in my daughter's year, they're doing stuff around the gold rush and all that kind of stuff. So they're going to see some of those places and 
whatever. I don't know how it's linked in with my sons. I think it's geography or something, natural places. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But the water park, I'm not sure where that fits in. I think it's just fun. Yeah, well, good. I think they they if they if they spend uh, hours and hours in school paying attention, they should get to have a little bit of fun now and then. Absolutely, absolutely. He's, he's thirteen, nearly fourteen. Yes, perfect time. Probably to go by the, to the time this park. goes to air, fourteen. Yeah. No, we'll see. He misses the water park. It's the other one that's going to the water oh, park. Oh, the other he's one going... goes to. The... Oh, oh. Yeah, he's going to a farm or I don't know something. Yeah. But they're well, doing maybe. some. I think they're going sandboarding. Is sandboarding a thing there? Have you got sand um, dunes? Yeah, um, I mean, I could be, but yeah, I, feel, like, I mean. So I don't know whether when you were here, did you fly into Newcastle? No, all? always in no. the city. So when you fly into Newcastle, you'll fly over our sand dunes, and they're the biggest sand dunes in the Southern Hemisphere, and they're essentially just hills made of sand. Um, but they're at the back of the beach. So there is ocean at the front and then there's all these sand dunes and grasslands and stuff at the back. But it is quite a thing to slide down the sand dunes on boards and a sandboarding. That that sounds delightful. It is delightful. And not as cold as uh, snowboarding probably. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> See, we don't have much opportunity for snowboarding, but we yeah. do have sandboarding. <laughs> Hey, I think anytime, there's your Australian anytime, cultural lesson. <laughs> anytime you can ride down a hill on something is a uh, is a good time. Uh, so that, that all sounds delightful. I hope you enjoy the uh, the time away from the kids and smother them with love the moment they walk in the door. Um, something like that. Yeah, maybe if they shower first. Um, yeah. So we're gonna try to limp along in our efforts to complete a series on the the eighth century systems. Uh, we're going to get into the interoceptive system today, which is, I think, my favorite and also the hardest to say. Yes, definitely the hardest to say. I feel like I fall over it every time I try and get the word out. Yeah. So I probably in, in, won't say it. <laughs> interoceptive. <laughs> I mean, vestibular and proprioceptive. I mean, those those twist your tongue up a little bit, too. But yes. interoceptive, some, there's the middle of it, we were saying before we get started, makes you feel like your tongue is swollen or something. Yes, it's, something I don't know. It's on. just, it, the sound just doesn't go together. So the interoceptive system is the sensory system that that kind of monitors all those inside the body feelings and relays to them to the brain. And I think it's the, the least talked about sensory system in the early learning world. And maybe the most important because learning to read all those inside the body signals um, are, I mean, they're really important for getting along in the world, but also for the all important, quote unquote, school readiness, because yes. if you can't understand those signals, then you, you have a hard time managing your, your body and your body's needs. And there's also a lot of emotion tied into it and all that. So um where where do we where do we start well I sip well, some where do you begin yeah so it is a really big one like it is a big one and I think as you say it's not something that's talked about much I really wasn't aware of it until probably as recent as you know five years ago I suppose I don't know it could be a little bit longer but it wouldn't have been much longer I feel like all the other senses are talked about 
kind of ad infinitum, <laughs> except probably um, vestibular and proprioceptive. They're probably still a little less known. But I just think this is one that people miss and yet it explains so much. And I think when you understand that, you know, and I think we can understand it probably as adults, you know, if I am hungry, I feel that I'm hungry. My body says, hey, you're hungry. You need to eat something right now. Your stomach's gurgling. This is happening. You need to go and eat. And so my body tells my brain, my brain says, okay, that thing that's happening with your body says you need to eat. And so I go and I eat. And yet I think we're very guilty in early childhood settings, but even just in society and as parents and of shutting that system down in children, not necessarily deliberately, but I think we do shut it down in, you know, like our routines and our expectations of children. We shut down their ability to be able to listen to what their body actually needs and is telling them. Sure, sure. And then and we often rush them past those those feelings and and that awareness mm. to get to what somebody else has determined to be to be the important part. But if you're if your tummy is growling and you're three and a half years old, that tummy growling is kind of an important part. Yeah, absolutely. I was even in the office the other day and my stomach was grumbling and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I need to eat something right now because I cannot focus on what I'm doing. Like Mm -hmm. I was trying to write something and, but like, I could just feel that, you know, oh my gosh, you really need to eat something. It's like, I need to stop. I need to go and eat and then come back. And as adults, we're pretty good at being able to identify it, but then also respond to it. But I just don't think we give children the chance to practice that because we have such strict kind of routines in a lot of spaces, you know, that we eat at this time and we sleep at this time and we do this thing at this time, but actually that may not be when my body needs each of those things and it may need it at a different time. And if I ignore it, you know, what impact does that have long-term? Yeah, yeah. And and that differentiating, discriminating between those internal sensory that that's internal sensory information that we get is is really important because the brain the brain needs all that sensory information and we need to understand that some very similar feelings can mean different things so i i like to think yeah. about it about the that the belly button area so so you think about that area around your belly button there's a lot going on there interoceptively ooh Ah, yeah, ah, oh, nice. Nicely a, lot done. Of, a lot of fucking syllables there. Um, so so in, in that area, we've got feelings like, okay, we talked about hunger. So that is something you feel on that area. But if you if you need to pee, you might feel that in that area yeah. because your your bladder lives in that general area. If you um need to poop, you <laughs> feel, feel something in that area. If you if you're are, nervous. If you're nervous, if you're anxious, you kind of feel yeah. it in that, that area around the belly button. If you're starting to get sick, um, some illnesses start around there. So there's four or five Ooh. or more things. Yeah. If if you're an if you're an adult, definitely not if you're a child, I should hope not. But if you're an adult and you're an adult female, when you start to feel a baby move, that's where you feel it. And it's a weird sensation. So like the first time, it's like it's a completely different feeling but you also and I think a lot of women do when they're pregnant they'll go 
oh, I'm not sure if that's like, is that the baby moving? Or like, do I need to fart? Like, what is that thing? You know, like what's going on there? And it's because we're not really super in tune with what our body feels like until it does that thing for a while. And then it's like, oh, okay, no, that's a different feeling. That's something completely different. Sure. And I I could I mean, I would assume that I've been had some sort of alien symbiont living inside of me that was about ready to burst through my my abdominal wall but um but yeah so there's there's all that stuff going you caught me off guard there with (laughs) the pregnancy but um yeah yeah there's so much going just in that area and the only way we start differentiating between those things is one being active and up and moving because our inter- like the rest of our sensory systems our interoceptive system is most active when we are most active when we are just yeah. sitting around like a lump on a bump um the the interoceptive like the vestibular system and the 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 uh the the sense of touch and the olfactory system and all the others they're not they're not getting a workout and so when we're up and moving that's happening but but just having different experiences and so we practice and then we start, we have those feelings and then we start discriminating. Okay, so this feeling, this this is the one that means I'm hungry and and this slightly different one means I better hurry my way to the bathroom and, and we start figuring that out. And I would argue that when it comes to school readiness, that that's something that's really important to have figured out because- yeah knowing your knowing the alphabet and being able to count to a hundred or whatever else they're wanting kids to do are are kind of easy things to do when you can manage your personal personal needs, which is what a lot yeah. of the interoceptive stuff revolves around. Well, it's funny actually, as you were saying that that made me think about my middle child and when she was about eighteen months old, maybe even sooner than that we started noticing some health issues with her and it took a lot of lot of stuff to get to the point some digestive stuff so we're like all right we need to try and work out what's going on here and eventually they did some testing and determined you know this particular thing was happening and the best way they could explain it was that the receptors in her system her digestive system weren't sending the message to the brain hey you need to do your thing and go to the bathroom you need to move this food through and then you need to go to the bathroom so her brain wasn't getting that message and then she wasn't able to recognize the feeling of I think I need to go to the bathroom and it's funny I've never thought about it from that interoceptive kind of perspective as well and how you know although there is obviously a physical neurological thing going on for her. There's also that element of, you know, being able, we've had to kind of train that into her. And it's a really weird thing because I think for most of us, it is, well, it should be quite natural. It just evolves. And if we respond to it, it continues to evolve. But obviously in that situation, it's not. And there would be children like that where it's not coming natural to them. And then we kind of have to train them to listen to their body and you know think about and kind of really tune into when your body does this what does that mean and what should you do and you know it's like that real process of kind of unpacking it with children so that they actually begin to identify it for themselves 
Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, I look, um, never, never been pregnant. So I've never had that actual interoceptive experience, but, um, I can imagine when that first is first happens having, um, somebody you trust that you can talk to about it and they can say, Oh yeah, that's you, 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 you're, you're, you're feeling a baby kick. Um, having, having that, that, um, that near peer, I guess, when it's adults, um, interaction to, to have that support, um, is, is kind of valuable. And I mean, kids are experiencing mm. the same thing. Um, so it's not, and, and, and so the interoceptive system is, is all over the inside of the body. So think about your heart when you're, when your heart starts pounding, um, it might mean that you've been exerting yourself and you can you can mm. feel it pounding in your chest. You have that that interoceptive um, sense, um, but your heart almost might start. You you could not be exerting yourself, and you could be you could be nervous or anxious about something, and yeah. and you, that that pulse increases. Um, you could be scared, and that that increases. And so, just that awareness and being able to 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 differentiate between between those things is is kind one of, of my favorites. Is, is like the feeling on the back of your neck. Like sure. if you, for me, it's like if I'm kind of, I feel embarrassed or awkward about something or like I'm, you know, an introvert in a social situation, for example, I can feel that prickly heat feeling on the back of my neck. And it's like, oh, that's, for me, that says you feel uncomfortable and, you know, like you feel nervous, you feel out of place, you feel uncomfortable, you feel awkward or whatever, but I can feel that physical sensation and that uh-huh. sends that message to my brain of, hey, this is what's going on, you know, and I can recognize that as an adult, but I probably wouldn't have recognized it as a child, but no doubt would have felt it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's that's another point you're making because um, these systems are all, I mean, they're separate systems, but they all interact with each other mm. and are closely related. So there is some interoceptive stuff, um, like skin pressure. You kind of feel that inside, but you also feel it on the surface of the skin. So it's a tactile thing touch, as yeah. well as an interoceptive uh, feeling. And so there, there is that 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 close relationship. Um, I think it's, it's also important... Uh, uh, the interoceptive system, it, it's a physiological thing, but it it also relates a lot to the emotions, I think, more than any of mm. the other sensory systems as as well. And if we want kids to be um, emotionally aware and capable of of interacting with their peers and and self-regulating and all that important stuff, a a a helping them pay a little bit of attention to to what's going on inside of them is is probably vital and and I think you you really I mean the the way we do that is is probably having those conversations and and asking questions about how how we're feeling and those kind of things and and having having the conversations huh yeah and you know it's funny you say that because like we often say as adults you know, to other adults, typically, like trust your gut, you know, if something happens, and you get that feeling, it's Mm -hmm. hard to explain, but it's a gut feeling. That's what we always say. It's a gut feeling. And it is a feeling that's inside that you can't necessarily put words around, you know, it's just a, I get a feeling that something's not right, you know, something's not right about this person or this situation, or, you know, like it's, and 
often when we ignore that, you know, we end up finding ourselves either in a dangerous situation. You hear that from a lot of people who've been, you know, in accidents or they've been in near misses or they've, you know, whatever, some sort of encounter that's been pretty unpleasant, you know, whether it's with a wild animal or whatever, that they've had that feeling before it happened, but they ignored it. They shook off mm -hmm. that feeling because it was like, oh, I'm just being silly. And I think that's because we're not like made to feel comfortable to trust that and listen to that when we're little, you know, like we're, and, and we do that as adults sometimes, you know, we'll, and, you know, often not with negative intentions, but we'll often kind of fob it off to children when they feel nervous about something or whatever. And we'll be like, it'll be fine. You'll be okay. You know, this will happen. Yep. It'll, it's all fine. But we're really just kind of pushing that away. You know, I'm basically saying them, don't listen to that feeling that you have. Just listen to me because I know better and it'll all be okay. And look, chances are it could all be okay, whatever the thing is. But we also need to allow children to have that and to be able to listen to that and opt out of things if they think, you know what, I don't feel comfortable jumping off that climbing equipment. Even if you tell me I can, my gut feeling is, no, I can't, this is not safe, I don't want to do this, then we should let children listen to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A it, and and I, I wanted to get into this too. I'm glad you brought us there because um, risk taking a, a risk mm. is a choice. Um, yeah. It is a choice to do something that may or may not cause harm, and you get to you get to choose it. And that interoceptive awareness can be really valuable in deciding what risks we're comfortable taking and what risks we we don't want to take, whether it's jumping off a rock or or climbing a little bit higher in the tree, because we get that 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 feeling, that anxiousness, that 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 emotional feeling we get the internal sense, but also the how our muscles feel and and those kind of things when we're when we're doing a potentially dangerous thing, whether it's a physically yeah. dangerous thing or uh, an emotionally dangerous thing or 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 something else, we we feel those those internal senses when we're about to take risks. When we after after we get done recording night, I got to go to the gym and I've got to um I've got to do squats with uh, 295 pounds on my shoulders. Um, I don't know how heavy that is, but I'll take it. It's pretty heavy. It's, um, yeah. It's a lot of kilos. A, it's a lot of kilos. I'll look it up when we have a break. <laughs> um, and, um, and I'm old. And so the intro, my, I mean, look, it's true. Um, but my interoceptive <laughs> system is, is at work the whole time because when I when I'm doing the warm ups to get ready for that, I've got to decide. Okay, how are my how are my knees feeling? I've got old knees, and it's a lot of weight pushing down on your shoulders. And if your if your knees give out, it's really hard to to stand back up with the weight on your shoulders. And um, did I? It, it, how's my gut feeling? Because if I'm if I'm if look um, if if you your body is telling you you need to poop while you're in the middle of a of a heavy squat for example um it could be <laughs> catastrophic <laughs> so very bad results yeah it could be, you'd it could be banned be, from mean, the gym oh well i mean luckily it's a home gym so uh um oh, I, I just have to call tasha with a mop, i guess um <laughs> um so uh 
this has gotten a little bit grosser than I thought it was going to be. Um, but there's there's all of that there's all of that awareness, um, just just your breathing, all of that kind of stuff, and um, so. But kids are going through that all the time when they're when they're jumping around being Batman yeah. or 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 putting themselves out there socially when they're when they're the shy kid or all those kind of things. So mm. that that internal awareness is really really important. Absolutely. And, you know, the risk taking thing is such a huge one. We often talk about, you know, children developing risk taking dispositions and, you know, children learning to assess risk and whatever. But I don't think we focus enough on children listening to their bodies when it comes to taking risks. And I know um, at our Timonal program, we will often say to the children, you know, particularly as they're climbing well up into a tree above where I am and thinking, oh gosh, and I'm thinking, oh, I don't know if you're safe. And we'll say, do you feel safe? You know, and that's the language we'll use around that is getting them to think about how they feel right now. So it's, do you feel safe where you are? You know, and because they'll say, oh, I think I want to go higher, but I'm not sure. Do you feel safe? How do your arms feel? How do your legs feel? You know, it's like yep. encouraging them rather than saying, that's not safe, get down from there, or that branch won't hold you or whatever. And we'll say, you know, feel that branch. Do you think it's going to hold your body? And, you know, it's asking them questions that are getting them to think about, well, hang on a minute, how do I feel up here? Do I feel safe? Do I feel like I can get back down? Are my legs shaking? Are my arms going to struggle to hang on to that branch or whatever? But it's encouraging them to think about, you know, all of those messages rather than just that external feedback about whether it's a safe thing to do or a risky thing to do. Yeah, 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 absolutely. 134 kilos. Yeah, okay, that's a lot. Yeah, that's, that's really uh, heavy. It's, it's getting up. I mean, world record is over a thousand pounds. Oh my gosh. So that's four, over 450 kilo. Um, so, I mean. Man, I think I've got about 10 kilos on my home gym. Yeah, yeah. For all guys, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's getting there. That's um, pretty impressive. So for for kids, I mean, how how do we support the development of the interoceptive system? And it, and look, it's a broken record thing because it's the same way we support all of them. Mm -hmm. It we provide environments where kids are up and moving and active and engaged and making their own choices and um having experiences and feeling supported and loved and having their, their lower level Maslow needs met. They've got enough sleep, yes. and enough food in their bellies. And uh, so I guess you, you, we need, you know, playful childhood environments and, and all of this happens. We don't have to sit down and do interoceptive lessons. No, uh, no. I, I think there are things that we can do that might be intentional things. So there's a lot of those kinds of, you know, setting up the right environment and, you know, being responsive and all of that sort of thing that should just be part of our standard practice. But there might be intentional things that we do while we might not go, this is an interoceptive experience, but we might say, okay, we're going to do, you know, some mindfulness stuff with the children in the afternoons or whatever as part of our relaxation we're going to do you know some meditation or like a you know you can do like body scan meditations you know and feel your fingers and you know those sorts of things that sort of practice can be really beneficial for children to kind of get into that into their body and to understand well what does my body feel like how does it work what does it sound like what does it do how does it move you know those sorts of things I think can be intentional but for me yeah. a big thing is the you know, the responsiveness in terms of our routines and 
our expectations on children, particularly really young ones, you know, like we can't expect that every child that comes into our care will want to eat lunch at 12 o'clock on the dot when they awake at different times and they have lunch, uh, they have breakfast at different times and they arrive in care at different times and their bodies have different fuel needs. I even know between my own children, you know, my eldest is almost 14 and, you know, he's getting increasingly tall and just these giant feet and, you know, no fat on him whatsoever. And so I don't know where the food goes because at mealtimes, you know, dinner time in particular, he eats like three adult-sized portions of a meal. And, you know, I think, where does that go? Whereas my youngest, who's <clears> eight, <throat> grazes. She would much mm-hmm. rather just pick at things throughout the day and, you know, she needs fuel more often to keep going. She's also very active she's always upside down or cartwheeling or whatever and so she tends to need that more often whereas he's a little bit more teenage sedentary I suppose you know like as teenagers can be and so I think he just doesn't need quite that you know frequent fueling but when he does fuel it's big and you know consistent in size so I suppose there's that recognition that we have different needs in terms of that so it's being responsive to those I suppose yeah 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 um and and I mean all that um you meant mentioned sleep and I think that's that's I mean that's another interoceptive sense that feeling mm. that feeling of I'm feeling I'm tired, tired or I'm feeling alert and so so just that awareness is is something else that's going on and and again as we as we start to bring this one in for a landing this is this is something that the the early world generally doesn't really pay pay attention to um mm. as much as it probably should well it probably should but I think it's just a lack of education around it like there's there's not a lot of information you know I know even when I did my training and that's going back a very long time but when I did that that wasn't part of it we went to a bit more um and inspired we've got a few like online courses and stuff now that are around the sensory systems and we've you know done some well, quite a lot of work with um Angela Hanscom and her book's incredible for all of these sensory systems but you know I think until people have opportunities to learn about it and be able to recognize it and understand what they can do to support children it's going to continue to be something that we just let children down on a little bit yeah, yeah. Um, the book Balanced and Barefoot. Um, if you're if you're looking for a good book to read about the sensory systems and children's need to move, you're not going to find a better one than Balanced and Barefoot no. by Angela Hanscom. So uh, add that to your reading list if you're you're interested in the topic. Anything else on this one we should uh, we should get into before we wrap it up? No, I think that covered it. That was a lot a lot of things but i think that covered it i just checked my notes and yes that that covered my notes i oh i i guess <laughs> one final thing is that um if you teach a bunch of three-year-olds to say interoceptive um and and go home talking about their interoceptive systems uh That'd that's great I mean, some 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 good vocabulary to add to their little lives um absolutely I'm, I'm a little bit distracted because slinky dog is walking around growling at something and i can't I'm not sensing anything worth growling at. Um, That's always off-putting, but I mean, sl- maybe Slinky Dog's interoceptive yeah. system is saying, "Hey, something's happening." Yeah, I think it's. I need to be on alert. More likely, his sense of hearing. He's probably hearing something. Uh, <laughs> is the ice? Hey, buddy, is the ice cream truck coming? 
Should we go to the? Do they have could ice cream that. trucks? Could in be us? that. Ice ice cream trucks uh, in Australia. They do, but they don't tend to come around like your neighborhood much. Sometimes, mm-hmm. but more they tend to hover more around like beaches and parks and stuff in the summer. That tends yeah. to be the option. Yeah. yeah, we get our, our ice cream shop talks stops by between four thirty and five thirty, most afternoons. It goes goes nearby and and it's playing its its music and and most of me wants to run to the ice cream truck like uh, like I'm an eight year old because I mean yeah. I could look if I want to I'm a I'm a grown ass, I'm a grown ass man. If I wanted to eat ice cream every day from the ice cream truck, I could be standing there waiting every day um, with, <laughs> with, with either, either cash or my card. And I could have, I could have all the ice cream I wanted now. Um, just don't want as much ice cream as I did when I was eight for some, some reason. I know it's sad, isn't it? We kind of, sad, kind yeah, of decline. <laughs> yeah. When I was eight, I just didn't have the resources for the amount of ice cream I wanted to consume. Um, now you have the resources. You just don't want to consume just don't have the much. Don't have the inclination. Yeah. Uh, oh. My husband's the opposite. He's got definitely got the resources and the inclination. He's definitely a fan of ice cream. Oh, I'm, I'm a big fan. I just, I just, I, 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 I don't know. I just can't. I can't. Um, I guess we should end the show since we're wandering around babbling. Uh, This here, um, now I'm thinking about ice cream. It's like a squirrel. It's like an ice cream. (laughs) Listeners, imagine a squirrel made out of ice cream. And that's what's running around um, inside of my head right now. Um, my mind is just chasing it and wanting to chasing it with a spoon and wanting to devour it. Uh, nice. This, this here, this has been the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast, the world's longest running and most prolific early learning podcast that wants you to pay attention to your interoceptive system. Interoceptive. Interoceptive. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening. Back soon. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>